Hey, this is Nick. Uh, before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know that while I was editing this one, I cut out a whole segment because I felt it was running a bit long, but that segment will be released next Monday as bonus content, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, we discuss the social media trend, hashtag Filmstruck4, so uh, a little insight into our lives that you'll see in that bonus content there. While I have your attention, I just want to remind you to leave us a review on iTunes, give us a rating, and let us know what you think on social media, uh, Michigan Theaters Accounts Michigan, and that's theaters spelled with an E-R at the end. So without further ado, here's the show. Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, a movie podcast taking you inside the walls of an independent cinema. My name is Nick Alderink. I am the digital media specialist at the Michigan Theater Foundation, and I am joined by two other guests who also work at the Michigan Theater. Please tell me who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Caitlin Droswicki, and I work on Cinetopia Film Festival, happening May 31st to June 10th, so mark your calendars. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ariel Wan. I'm the digital... Ooh. That's not who I am. I am the director of marketing and programming at the Michigan Theater. You went back in time, Ariel. <laughs> I did. I was like, that's what I used to do. Right. And uh, we have to thank you for, for both uh, for coming on the podcast. Caitlin, again, her fourth podcast wow. in a row. She's making a streak out of it. Probably going to appear in a few more <laughs> later. And Ariel, your first time here, you, uh, my boss, I should just point out first off <laughs> that Ariel is my boss at the theater. Um, and you just went to the Cleveland Film Festival. So that is how we're going to start the podcast today. Um, let's just get right into it. Uh, let's just start. What, what were your favorite films that you saw there? Um, so I had three favorite films. Um, the first one, which is a crowd favorite, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is the Mr. Rogers documentary that I've been hearing so many things about. <laughs> It was all the, all, all the talk in the office was about this, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And it's up here. We've talked about it on other podcasts. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. And you finally saw it. I finally saw it um, because I just can't wait because I found out we're opening it at the theater on June 22nd. Yep. Um, but I was like, I have to I have to see this film first. Yeah. And probably not surrounded by people I know because I had a feeling I was going to start crying a lot. <laughs> and that is exactly what happened. Um, it was a uh, the screening that I went to was completely full. We were the last, I think, like four. I went with um, Sarah Erlewine, who's been here before, mm-hmm. and um, we were the last like four people to make it into the theater. And we had passes, so you know, between pass holders and ticket holders, it was a packed screening. And we sat in the way in the front of the theater, the first row. So we're like laying down in our seat watching this film and it didn't matter because it was amazing yeah. and um, you know it just has all the feels <laughs> it makes you really really love Fred Rogers and just knowing because you know I started watching him when I was a, a kid and that was you know in the 90s and I mm-hmm. didn't know that he's been on air since the 60s 70s mm-hmm. yeah, yeah for a long time mm-hmm. and you know the documentary starts with um, you know, the first week that he started doing this program, he talked about the Vietnam War mm-hmm. on on air. So I thought that was really cool. And I, I just to interject. I love that text that you sent me after you saw it. You said um, while you're in the theater, it was interesting to see who in the audience was a sociopath. Yes. <laughs> after the screening was done, as in who wasn't, who wasn't crying? Right. Who wasn't crying? <laughs> because there's no way you could not. Cry. Everyone was crying. You could just hear the tissues, the <laughs> sniffles, um, and it wasn't like 
tears of sadness that he's dead or the show's uh-huh. no longer there. It's just he was a genuinely kind and good person. Mm-hmm. And he was on television and he influenced children's lives. Mm-hmm. And there's just not that many people in you know public figures that kind of have that heart, that genuine heart just to love mm-hmm. people without um, their own agenda. And it's there isn't one particular moment in this film that makes you cry. I think it's just the whole film as a just the whole span of it is just yeah. everyone will cry at different at different moments. And there there are heavier moments. Yes. But as you're sitting in the theater, just hearing at different moments, people just start starting to silently weep. It's right. such just overall such a genuinely happy movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was it was great. Um, and which is so funny because leaving the theater, I, I made that comment that you know it's a really good way to see who in the audience as a sociopath <laughs> because the next movie I saw after that was A Murder in Mansfield <laughs> which is about uh, a, a man who murdered his wife mm-hmm. and his 12 year old son was an audible witness and um, the so his father is a sociopath <laughs> and you see him being interviewed and you're just like, wow, this is classic sociopath behavior. He shows no emotion. His son's crying in front of him, trying to get him to just admit that, finally admit that he committed these murders. And he just starts saying things that he thinks his son wants to hear. Like, oh, I'm so sorry that you felt that way. You know, and you're just watching him. He's like stone cold. And I'm like, wow, that's... Uh, and this was a documentary? This was a documentary. <laughs> that's a film festival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy tears and very sad tears and yeah. disturbed tears. <laughs> so, um, what was really cool about that film was, so it was, um, his name was Collier um, Boyle. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a murder that happened in Mansfield, Ohio. So it was very close to the um, Cleveland area. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people from Mansfield, Ohio was in the audience. And Collier was there. Um, Collier's mom's best friend was there. Okay. Um, one of the local radio hosts who um, covered the story was also in attendance. <laughs> so, uh, um, and the director was also there. But Collier, you know, introduced the film, and then he had Q and A afterwards. And it was just, I think, what made the film more impactful was the fact that he was there to kind of show us that, hey, look, this guy's okay. Mm-hmm. After this traumatic thing that happened to him when he was wow. 12, you know, his mom was murdered by his dad who went to jail. And then he was adopted by a local family so they could keep him in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, after he leaves Mansfield, he goes to LA and he's actually a pretty thriving, um, I think he said he was a cinematographer oh. in, for LA Studios. And uh, he came back to Mansfield to do this documentary to kind of get closure on the whole thing. Wow. And so he learned a lot about his dad and how he was essentially a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Um, he had an adoptive sister that was four at the time, and she doesn't she w- she got adopted by some other family, and he hasn't been in contact with her since then, and he's trying to find her, um, but her adoptive parents don't want anything to do with it. Okay. And my assumption is because she's probably too young to remember anything, so it's probably better to not drag her yeah. through this process if she doesn't have to be. But, um, you know, everyone's questions were like, what happened to your sister? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have no idea. I'm still trying to track her down, wow. still trying wow. to contact okay. her. Um, so that was that was a really – it was so different from after watching Won't You Be My yeah. Neighbor to yeah. Murder in Mansfield. Um, so that was my second – uh, my third favorite film, I saw seven. I, okay. I tried to see more, but... Um, and how long were you there? I was there for two and a half days. Okay. Uh, 
It's a, yeah. a lot of content to yeah. see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. on, on Saturday, I tried to see five. Uh, I only made it through three. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was good too, effort. It was way too late. Yeah, yeah. Um, my third and f- um, favorite one was Six Weeks to Mother's Day. And I've been talking about this film since I came back uh-huh. from Cleveland. Um, it is about an orphanage in Thailand that um, uses the uh, Sullivan method, which is a, I think it's a British um, method where it's a democratic society. So all the kids um, have a say in how they want the policies to be. And, um, you know, if someone gets in trouble, what their punishment should be. So they have like tribunals every week. Um, and, And the focus is on, you know, the the head mother, they all, all the women and men that work there, they're called mothers and fathers. The head mother has been running this orphanage for decades. And um, she, it, the entire documentary is just about this, um, the gathering and the celebration of Mother's Day, which in Thailand is in August. Mm. And so they do like a huge like celebration. So they do dances and, you know, gifts and sets just for Mother's Day. So mm-hmm. the entire documentary just follows the six weeks that lead up to Mother's Day. And um, all the children, they're, you know, they're, they're just adorable. They really thrive under the uh, democratic policies that they have. Um, there's, um, there's one part in the film that was really touching it was when um, two of the kids that were um, you know, dropped off at the orphanage, they actually um, have relations with their parents that gave them up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's a section of the film where they actually travel out to where the parents live, say hi to the parents. They give them gifts, like okay. blankets, food, supplies, because their parents are extremely poor in a rural area in Thailand. And um, these kids are telling the parents, you know, like, don't don't spend it on booze. Oh. Like, you should stop. <laughs> you should stop smoking, dad. Yeah. And they're just like, it's hard. <laughs> um, wow. So just seeing these, like, you know, they, these kids have to be, like, six. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, meeting their parents and telling them how they should. Role reversal. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, and, you know, the parents gave them up because they were like, you know, we knew you would be better off at the school than with us. Um, and, you find, you know, you find out later that um, the parents were alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, they essentially sold all the stuff that they were given and they used it to buy alcohol. Um, but I thought it was really interesting that the orphanage encourages children to give them the option if they want to keep in touch with their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but the director of this film and one of the cameraman, one of the, he's the uh, like the producer, the writer, the, you know, he, he does all of it. His name is Marvin Blunt and he lives out in LA. And he's and American? He's American. Okay. Um, and he spent time in Thailand and he was there for a Q&A. He actually um, was there earlier in the week, and then he left, and then they added this screening as a last-minute thing. And so when I heard that they added it, I heard other people say it was really good. Mm-hmm. I went to the screening, and he actually came back to do another Q&A. So afterwards, he was answering a lot of questions because people wanted to know, like, how, is she okay? How is everything doing? You know, how are the kids? You know, like, how do we donate to this orphanage? Mm-hmm. And it's just very obvious that the whole intention of this film was not to get um, donations or awareness of this orphanage. It was just like a beautiful story. Yeah. And I left the film saying that it was the Thailand version of the Mr. Rogers doc. Okay. Because this, uh, the main mother, she's just, she does this just purely out of love and out of love of children. 
and everything that they do and put time into is for these kids. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's some crying in that movie too, just because okay. it's so beautiful. Um, but Marvin is really, really great, and he really loves his film, and he's been trying to get uh, more eyes on the film. He's trying to find distribution. Yeah. And I talked to Marvin, and I'm trying to see if we can get him and his film out to Ann Arbor for, you know, some sort of screening. For some sort of screening, yeah. possibly at Cinetopia? Maybe if there's room. <laughs> but, um, you know, even if it doesn't happen during the festival, it'll happen as part of Cinetopia, but maybe just later on the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if it's really crazy and things just fall in line, maybe by Mother's Day. Ooh, uh. how convenient. <laughs> <laughs> So, Caitlin, have you been to the Cleveland Film Festival? I have been to the Cleveland Film Festival. It's mm-hmm. a very nice festival. It's um, geographically, it's all in one location, essentially. Yeah. Um, so it it's a, makes for a really full day, mm-hmm. and um, re- you can really bounce from film to film to film to film and kind of mm-hmm. get lost in in the festival um, while you're in Cleveland. Um, and they, they do a really nice job of supporting the filmmakers and providing um, extracurricular activities, I yeah. suppose, for guests of the festival as well. So uh, it's a really nice festival. Um, the content is immense. They have so many films to choose yes. from. It makes it yeah. a bit difficult. I think they use all, it's a it's in a multiplex. Um, I can't, Tower City Cinemas. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that has how many screens? Like at least 10, mm-hmm. I'd imagine. Yeah, probably more than that, mm-hmm. I think. There are a lot of screens. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of, yeah, a lot of screens to fill a lot of, so that's why they have a, a ton of movies. So. And it's considerably older than our festival. It started in yep. 1977. Mm-hmm. So was this... Festival, something that you took inspiration uh, from for Cinetopia? Is there anything? What, what are the similarities between this and Cinetopia? Well, obviously, we're Rust Belt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we uh-huh. are Michigan, mid, the Midwestern flavor for sure. But Cleveland does a really nice job of connecting community organizations with certain films mm-hmm. and uh, really bringing people who maybe aren't familiar with festivals because they're involved in a, maybe it's an environmental organization. Maybe they wouldn't go to a festival in the first place, but uh, the organizers of the, the Cleveland Film Festival maybe have an environmental doc and they pair those organizations with the, with the documentary and bring people from the organization to the screenings and it really becomes a community festival. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Cinetopia r- really strives to do and work on. It's, um, it's not an easy task for that. I think it, it, I know from talking, talking with the festival organizers down there in Cleveland and then seeing the, pro- you see the trajectory of the festival. You, mm-hmm. They have a nice, um, pretty much a, a year timeline on the Cleveland Film Festival website of how everything went. It's it's a long road of figuring out and pairing the films with organizations, finding organizations that really fit the, the mission and the message of the festival as well and really want to work together. So it takes time with that. And I really admire how they've done that and how they've grown their community partner pro- program yeah. um, to really make it, make everyone feel like they are also part of that festival and organizing of it and um, making it as popular as it's become for the community. Um, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely one to, to look to as, as Cinetopia grows and, and where we want to go and how we want to embrace our community organizations because we have a wealth of groups in the area that are so dedicated to their causes and mm-hmm. to what they do that we really want to support and showcase the work that they do through, through our medium, through film, through mm-hmm. filmmaking. So. 
So let's uh, let's get into Cinetopia a little bit. Oh. Um, <laughs> we are just a little over a month away from our opening day, mm-hmm. May 31st. Yes. How do you feel about that? Oh, it's exciting. Yeah. This is the best time of year for me because mm-hmm. I'm. F- we're finally getting into a, a comfortable place with our program where we've we've pared down. We have so many movies that we've looked at, right? Yeah. And we have finally kind of we've used some restraint this year and we <laughs> pared them down to I think we have 48 films. Mm-hmm. We originally thought we were going to have 45, and then you know there's a few that yeah. sneak in there, <laughs> um, and that's just fine. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah it's it's exciting because now we can start talking about our movies. Uh-huh. We can start um, really, like I said with Cleveland, we can start reaching out to the organizations in the area and letting them know like, hey, we've got some really great films. I think you you need to check this out and be mm-hmm. part of this festival. So yeah, this is the best time for me. Although it's also the craziest as far as or- organizing and actually getting the details done, but that's not fun to talk about yeah. on a podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about the fun stuff, the movies. And so. be- before we start really getting into the into the grid of it here, we should say early bird passes are on sale right now, yes. and this is earlier than we've ever put them on sale. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know that they're on sale, that may be why, because they usually come on sale a lot later. So like, another yeah. another fun development for us here is that we're actually selling passes, and we're seeing people get excited for it right now, and there's a lot of a lot of buzz on uh, on Twitter of people asking us when we're going to announce announce yeah. the program. Yeah, every time we talk about the passes being on sale, people are like, "When are you going to leak some titles?" Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll leak some yeah. titles today. Yeah, right. I think I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the big news is opening night. Oh, yes. So it's always um, – the opening night is always a very – it's a big conversation. For I think anybody who organizes a festival or, or any event that requires an opening night title for something. Right. Um, what is – what are the what's the tone that we're going to set with the rest of the festival and what are we really wanting to – tell the patrons and really kick off the festival with is it something do we want to have a documentary that's a little bit more brooding or do we want to have something that's a little bit more fun Mm -hmm. is is talent a big thing do we need to have talent involved with our opening night um I would say talent is definitely a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to have a little, I'll give you a little background. We like to have a little bit of buzzworthy titles there as well. Um, in years past, we've opened with Brett Haley's films. Um, last year was a film called... The Hero. Yes. And um, Brett Haley, we've done a lot of work with Brett Haley's films, and we might have another Brett Haley movie this year um i actually yes we will um but it's not going to be our opening night (laughs) we actually have a new so i will just say our 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 opening night film is a a new director but a familiar name um it's a by a guy named bo burnham and it's Mm -hmm. a film called eighth grade which premiered at sundance film festival yeah and it is a look at if anyone is familiar with bo burnham it's essentially his life but in the form of a female eighth grader. Right, yeah. So for those of you who don't know Bo Burnham, he's a comedian. He's a, um, he, I think he's about 26, 27 years old, very young. About 10 years ago, he uh, became, uh, I would say, one of the first viral YouTube sensations. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started posting his songs on, on YouTube uh, with a guitar and piano, just him in his bedroom. And he blew up. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he went on tour and our programmer, Brian, would call him a vaudeville comedian, <laughs> which is maybe uh, an aged 
way to describe him, <laughs> yeah. but it is it's it's accurate. He is uh, he's a little bit of a song and dance man. It's modern. It's a yeah. modern vaudeville. I mean, yeah, like we have to. And he, he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. Oh, and this, yeah. is, this is his first uh, feature. Uh, directorial debut. He yes. appeared as an actor in The Big Sick, the Big Sick recently. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he also showed up in uh, uh, Judd Apatow's Funny People mm-hmm. very briefly. So he's not uh, shy of the camera by I any know. means, but he's... Um, he this is, this he is, cameos himself. Yeah. 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 He's in <laughs> films as himself. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the tone that we're setting, I mean, in in, in the era, we're talking about, it, it touches females. It, it, we're looking at um, women growing up and mm-hmm. um, and then also with a with some humor there as well, but a, but a loving look at it as, as yeah. well. And from a, a, a directorial debut is always really important for us. We love to see how how filmmakers, storytellers are growing in their craft. And this is something that it's a total, obviously we haven't seen his work, but we've seen him direct himself essentially. Mm-hmm. So this is him directing other people and then bringing it in a, a feature length so it's it's really exciting for us to um, showcase it and and really give it its due and really you know we're excited to have our uh, have all of our Michigan theater members and our members from across the venues the Henry Ford DIA mm-hmm. Charles H Wright Air American National Museum Cinema Detroit and College for Creative Studies and everybody come in yes got it check <laughs> um, and then enjoy this opening night with us so yeah it's a really it's gonna be really funny heartwarming and you know a little awkward because it's eighth grade um, think about being in eighth grade so that I have to you know warn people of that as well yeah. but yeah it's 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 cringeworthy in the best way <laughs> yeah. possible and that you're watching watching this film and you recognize every moment that it hits in her in her awkward life uh, mm-hmm. from uh, going to a pool party and being uncomfortable there mm-hmm. and like your parents forcing you to, to interact with people you don't really want to interact with yeah it's so brutally empathetic <laughs> and it's 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 still a wonderful film yeah so mm-hmm. we're really excited to kick off the festival with that one and special guests will be present so yeah. that's also very exciting so keep we'll keep you posted on mm-hmm. who will be coming to Cinetopia this year and did you say the title of the Brett Haley film that we're going to be it's getting hearts beat loud hearts beat it's loud. with um, his Nick Offerman I think a, f- a favorite for him mm-hmm. and um, it's about a father and a daughter Mm-hmm. Another heartwarming, funny, same you know, same tone, and we know Brett Haley does a very um, subtle, yet also biting in some areas. So mm-hmm. we know his we know his work, and it's definitely something that our patrons are you know we love. Our programming team we enjoy. It's a really nice, just an, another. We have a lot of hard hitting documentaries and a lot of hard hitting films, and these two are ones that will will balance it out a bit for us mm-hmm. so we're, we're really happy to bring okay. those ones there yeah yeah so there's two titles for everyone out there yes. um we're also working with detroit voices um and that's uh, something that we do every year yep so that's our, our our short film competition and how many entries do you have in there for right now oh we have we have a lot in um consideration right now okay that's all i'll say okay <laughs> and okay. submissions close april 30th uh-huh. um and we'll be announcing those titles closer to the festival Perfect. and um we love showcasing our local talent obviously mm-hmm. we have so much creative spirit in um in the state and it's such a a fun thing and an honor for us to show some of those short films so mm-hmm. it's really hard to choose them all that's really because mm-hmm. we have there's a lot of great content out there and and su- such talented filmmakers so it's really hard to break down our finalists and um, yeah but we're working on that right now 
Okay. So, yeah, but we all, we're working with the Arab Film Festival at the, the Arab American National Museum, and that's a partnership that we've had for five years, and they always have the really the most exciting, thoughtful conversation starting films, and this year is no different, and they're expanding their program a bit this year, so um, they have two Arab shorts programs, and so it's Arab film Arab filmmakers, and we have two shorts programs where years past we've just had one, and then also two panel discussions, which we'll talk about Arab Americans in the media, and also Arab American women filmmakers, so there's a, there's a lot of great, great work, and um, so proud and so happy to be working with the Arab American National Museum. Some titles that are familiar, um, This Is Home, it's a documentary about us refugees coming to America mm-hmm. and um, that process. So that's such a it's a it's a really great documentary. We also have a documentary that also played at the Freep Film Festival, which we're so excited to bring back for an encore um, screening. It's called Sufra, and that's another one about um, it's women in a refugee camp in Lebanon, and they're becoming um, their chefs, and they want to have their own food truck and start have their own catering company. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's <laughs> it's a you know that's a really great one to watch, and also just. You know the food looks incredible, and there might be some times that we will we will have some of that food during our festival. So, get ready, all get right, ready to watch some movies and also eat some delicious food. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the the dishing of Cinetopia. Oh, that's there. a little bit. I'm, I'm glad we could pry it from you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you can do that. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, <Nick. laughs> uh, yeah, and you can uh, subscribe to our Cinetopia newsletters right on the the homepage of the Cinetopia website, where you'll get the first news about. All the updates. We have so much, so much uh, more news to come for this thing oh, in, yeah. in, in the next month, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll get more out of you in the Absolutely. future podcasts. <laughs> no more secrets. Time to time to show share the program with everybody. Perfect. We're excited about Perfect. it. Perfect. Yeah. So before we wrap things up a little uh, here, we're going to get into our movie magic moments of the week. Uh, and if, for those of you who haven't listened to the other podcasts, uh, the movie magic moments is the uh, Something that we've seen recently that reminded us why we love movies. Um, so mine, I watched the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Story from Ooh. 1940, starring Ooh. Catherine Hepburn, Jimmy Stewart, and Cary Grant. And if you're unfamiliar with this film, Catherine Hepburn plays a rich socialite who is getting married, but then on the eve of her wedding, her husband, played by her ex-husband, played by Cary Grant, uh, shows up along with a tabloid reporter uh, played by Jimmy Stewart. And all hell breaks loose. Let's just say that uh, she she is sent into a frenzy. But what makes this movie so enjoyable, I found, was the language—a language that you don't really see in movies today. And it was adapted from a stage play, which I think lends to it a little bit. Uh, now, I would actually recommend watching this film with subtitles, which is how I uh, watched oh. the film, which is why I think that uh, I was able to watch it in a different way than I had previously. I wrote down some of my favorite lines from this from this film. Uh, it's like, There's one, uh, Cary Grant, uh, he, he plays C.K. Dexter Haven. He says, mm-hmm. uh, he's talking to uh, Catherine Hepburn. He says, you'll never be a first-class human being or a first-class woman until you've learned to have some regard for human frailty Mm. and i I can't read these lines the way they do but i'll I'll do my best (laughs) here and then um uh uh, jimmy stewart's uh, macaulay connery says champagne's funny stuff i'm used to whiskey whiskey is a slap on the back and champagne's heavy mist before my eyes and then uh one more this is uh, between um jimmy stewart and Catherine hepburn jimmy stewart starts 
a magnificent a magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you talk. You're lit from within, Tracy. You've got fires banked down in you, hearth fires and holocausts. Oh my god. And then Tracy Lord says, I don't seem I don't seem to you made of bronze. And he says, No, you're made out of flesh and blood. That's the blank, unholy surprise of it. You're you're the golden girl, Tracy, full of life and warmth and delight. Wow. <laughs> Just Who talks like immediate that swoon. <laughs> yeah, immediate that's... swoon. And then oh, uh, ev- even better, there's um, seeing Stuart Grant and Hepburn share the screen at what may be the prime of their career. Um, and seeing how they play off one each other and build a scene without anyone really taking the spotlight. It's like watching sort of like musicians share a stage mm-hmm. involved in a special melody. And then uh, one particular moment uh, is one that's uh, Stuart and Grant, and Stuart enters the scene and he's drunk. And he's supposed to be, his character is drunk. He may have been drunk, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you can tell the director just said, so like, roll camera, I'm not even going to give these guys direction, they're pros, mm-hmm. and just let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And Stuart walks in, immediately he bursts through the door. And you can tell that they're just sort of playing with each other. And I think it's sort of like a rare moment of vulnerability that you don't see mm. in these classic classic movies in that they're both on this point of breaking character. And Stuart, there's one moment Cary Grant turns around and Stuart kind of wraps around him. And by the time Cary Grant turns, around, turns back around, Stuart's gone. <laughs> and he has to quickly look for him. Mm-hmm. And it's just this is so much fun to watch and again just seeing it's something that you don't see in classic cinema that much is watching uh, sort of a playfulness erupt um, from a scene and again just a joy to watch I, I rec- if you haven't seen I recommend the, the Philadelphia story yeah um, alright I picked it up from the Ann Arbor District Library I will <laughs> give them one more plug we'll give them more plugs oh, toward yeah, the end oh yeah they're great yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you Ariel um, so my movie magic moment was um I actually thought about it because I recently went out to L.A. for vacation and I um, did the Paramount Studio Tour, Mm -hmm. um, which I guess plug for them. I highly recommend (laughs) Um, because, um, you know, we're driving around the lot and um, our tour guide shows us this parking lot. And this parking lot's kind of like sunk in and the parking lot is painted blue and it's against this um, gigantic wall that is also painted in what appears to look like a grayish sky mm-hmm. and you know it, it, in the parking lot there's cars and he's like uh, he's like well we use we use this sec- the section of the lot to actually shoot certain scenes and um, there's uh, there's pipes in the ground so that it can fill with water so any kind of like um, water scenes um, anything that has to do with water or even just anything to do with sky because that background can be painted to whatever they need it to look like, whether it's a sunset or, you know, like a dawn or um, whatever. And uh, so he showed us um, one movie that was filmed there that used the area perfectly. And that was um, the movie The Ten Commandments, oh. which was in 1956. Yes. And he showed us the parting of the Red Sea was done right there where they flooded you know they created something in it so it looked like water was coming in filling the sea yep. essentially um, and to make that movie um, you know back then you didn't have a re, you know reverse button so they actually had to cut all of the 
the film, the pieces, and re-piece it backwards and then have it loop. So because there's a scene where, you know, after he parts it, the, the sea just kind of stays and hangs around mm-hmm. on the side. And so they had to, like, loop that. And he said that the entire process took, like, six months oh, for them wow. just to do that one one scene, that special effects part. The dedication. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the director was Cecil D. Mill. Yeah. 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 And uh, and so, you know, I, I just thought that was the craziest, like, you know, like how they make the movies kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh-huh. Which this place where people are parking their cars, you know, they remove the cars, they fill it with water. Uh-huh. And that's how they make movies. It's just like it's, it's it's it was very interesting tour because, y- you know, in your mind, you think that they're on location, you mm-hmm. know, and doing all these crazy things live. And, you know, a lot of it's just really fabricated and <laughs> their backyard, essentially, yeah. or in their parking lot. And um, I just thought that was extremely magical moment for me. And I've seen the Ten Commandments so many times because it's always playing before Easter <laughs> on some, you know, like network channel. Mm-hmm. And just growing up every single year, I'd always catch like an hour of it. So I think <laughs> after, you know, like five or six years, I finally saw the entire movie, <laughs> but in bits and pieces. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Caitlin? Well, I saw The Passion of Joan of Arc at the Detroit Film Theater a few weeks ago with a uh, live choir and that's the the silent oh yeah 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 that was um it's not something that i really was i was it was i don't want to say that i didn't want to see it because i but really it wasn't the first thing i wanted to do on a sunday i suppose <laughs> but it's um a really unique thing to do and to go see um especially with the live choir the choir was just it was so emotional i was so moved by the whole experience it was incredible mm-hmm. i highly suggest it i don't i mean i don't need to talk about we, we all know <laughs> joan of arc kind of know what's going on there but the the rackham choir holy smokes it was just it was really really like i said really moving and i suggest if you it comes around because every once in a while we'll see it at michigan theater perhaps we'll play it the dft will play it again i'm sure uh i highly su- suggest going to see it and with a live choir oh my gosh it was just <laughs> it was really really incredible so that would be it. All right. Thank you for sharing your moments. Uh, so let's wrap things up now. Uh, thank you for listening to Behind the Marquee. Thank you both for coming here and well, yeah, recording what may be our longest episode yet. But oh. I think I feel pretty good about this one here. Uh, Yes. No, it's, yeah. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Great. Uh, thank you to the Ann Arbor Library uh, for letting us take over the studio for a bit. Uh, more plugs of them. You can find all their all the films that we talked about. You can probably find in their their library. Check them out online. aadl.org. Uh, we'll be back here uh, in a couple weeks, so keep an eye out on your feed. We may be talking more about Cinetopia in a couple weeks. May have some more news to share. So thank you for joining us behind the murky, and we'll uh, see you in a couple weeks, or you'll hear us in a couple weeks. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs>